0: We actually come to a pivotal time of the year, not just because it's Palm Sunday, uh, but we're actually coming to a close with our year-long series that we've been in called The Kingdom Way. We started this series, if you remember, all the way back in August, and we carried it all the way through till April, and we're finally wrapping up the series with part 21 today where Jesus talks to us about building our house on the rock, And if you missed any of the, these messages, don't worry, you can catch them on our website and uh, uh, you can kind of peek in on where we've been. But uh, we are bringing the series finally to a close. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn with me for the very last time to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. As many of you know, we've been in this Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And as you're finding your place, let me just remind you that though we're closing out this series today, we still have one more service here in the hub next week, which is Easter Sunday. And I don't know if you're around, if you go home for that weekend, but if you are around, I'd encourage you to come on out and join us for a time of celebration as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And this would be a great time to invite a friend to come to church with you. And uh, as this may be one of the very few occasions where they'll hear the gospel. And so uh, I wanna encourage you to come on out and bring a friend with you. In fact, uh, um, we're encouraging all of our uh, ACF family to, to take part in um, uh, uh, this, uh, a questionnaire that we're encouraging all of our students to go out and, and, and uh, use as a tool to invite friends and introduce them to faith in Jesus. And uh, I know that many campus ministries who are represented here, even today, have taken part in that earlier this month. But this is a great opportunity to invite a friend or two to celebrate Easter. I can't think of a better way to end the year than uh, celebrating Easter together. So, uh, today, I want to turn our attention to Matthew 7, and uh, all the way at the end, starting at verse 24, we're going to carry it through to the end, verse 29, and uh, I'd like to spend just a few moments unpacking the words of Jesus here. You're going to have to forgive me, I am... um... I've been fighting off a sinus infection for the last four days, and so I'm hurting right now. And so bear with me. I'm I'm hopped up on meds, and so hopefully I'll make it through to the end of the message here. If I pass out, Ethan, just come on, start leading us in song. We're good. The show must go on. Matthew chapter 7. This is Jesus speaking. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what it says, starting at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, now he's referencing the entire Sermon on the Mount, right? Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And then the gospel writer Matthew wraps up the Sermon on the Mount, and he wraps up this portion of Scripture talking about the authority of Jesus. And in these last two verses, he ends this segment of Scripture this way. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, if you've been journeying with us for the last several weeks, the last several passages leading up to this very endpoint, Jesus has been cluing us in on a few comparisons. And these comparisons are, are important for us to pick up. I don't want us to blow through these comparisons too quickly. In other words, these aren't just metaphors or crafty little word pictures Jesus uses to entertain his listeners or anything like that. They actually carry significant weight in our lives. If you remember, his first comparison, right, is about a person who is on a wide road, headed towards a wide gate as compared to a person on a narrow road headed towards a narrow gate. And then he jumps into an, a, a different comparison, comparing a healthy tree that bears good fruit, as compared to a diseased tree that, that's worthless, that is only good for firewood, and only good to be thrown into the fire, if you remember that week. And then he compares a person, and we talked about this last week, who, who simply claims with their lips that Jesus is Lord, Lord, as compared to a person who truly knows Jesus as Lord in his heart and through demonstration of his life, he claims his lordship over himself. And then finally here, Jesus makes this one last comparison between these two builders. A guy who builds his house on sand and another guy who builds his house on the rock. Now, for those of you who grew up in church, who grew up in Christian circles, this story is not new to you, right? Like, the, we've sung Sunday school songs based on this very story. This is one of the most iconic stories that Jesus referenced and pulled from a guy who builds his house on a rock, a guy who builds his house on the sand. But the reason why these comparisons, not just today's, but all the ones preceding up to today, the reason why these comparisons are important for us. It's because they are intended to serve as warnings for us. They're intended to be warnings, warnings that if we're not paying attention to, it could lead to our peril. It's like Jesus is saying to us, warning, warning, don't journey down the wide path. Find your way to the narrow path that leads to the narrow gate. Warning, don't be a diseased tree, but rather be a healthy tree that bears good fruit. Warning, don't just declare with your lips that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that he actually is, whereby you demonstrate with your life Christ's lordship in your life. Warning, don't be a foolish builder. Rather, be a wise builder who builds his house on the rock. These are intended to be Warnings. Again, warnings that if we're not paying attention to, it could lead to our detriment in catastrophic ways. But listen now, they're not just warnings. The reason why these comparisons are important is because they're also intended to be options. They're options. Because the truth is, with every one of these comparisons, Jesus is making it crystal clear that the choice is actually up to us which one we choose which path we choose, which tree we become, which person we become, which type of builder we become. The choice is up to us as to which we choose. And that is the whole point of the title of our series that we've been in for 21 weeks, The Kingdom Way. That's the whole point of The Kingdom Way. The whole point of Jesus' teaching on The Kingdom Way is that there is a better way, There is a far better alternative. This way is a way that leads to an abundant life. And who doesn't want an abundant life, amen? Right? Who who doesn't want to walk in a deeply meaningful and purpose-filled life? Well, that's the kingdom way. He's saying it's a life that is more satisfying to your souls more than anything that this world can offer you. That's the kingdom way. The kingdom way is better than our way. The kingdom way is better than our culture's way. The kingdom way is better than the world's way. The kingdom way is a far better option. But listen, church, it's just that. It's an option. It's one option of many options that we are free to choose from. And the choice is ultimately up to us. And that's what these comparisons are showing us. That's why these words of Jesus press against our souls and causes friction because at the end of the day, Jesus, all he's doing, he's saying, here are your options. One leads to life, one leads to death. Which one are you going to choose? You want to know the crazy thing about me? I always choose the one that leads to death. Anyone with me? You're like, yeah, I, I hear you, Jesus. But I'm gonna go this way, right? Like I, I hear you, Jesus, on the whole Kingdom Way deal, but but I, I rather go this way. Now for one last time, Jesus gives this comparison and he gives us this option. Which builder are you gonna be? A wise builder or a foolish builder? And I want to point out a few key points when it comes to choosing this far better option of the kingdom way. I want to pull some some principles, some kingdom way principles for one last time as we look at this final comparison that Jesus lays out for us with these two types of builders. And the first point is this. The kingdom way is best characterized by obedience. It is best characterized by obedience. Now, at this point, this shouldn't surprise any of us. If you've been with us in this Kingdom Way series, this should not surprise you in the least bit. If it's not clear already, Jesus is deeply concerned with our obedience. Now, I hate to sound like a broken record because I feel like a lot of times I'm talking about this uh, with this call to to doing what Jesus has called us to do, obedience, but this is what he's getting at here yet again. I mean, don't you find it interesting that the closing thought of, of this epic sermon that Jesus preached, I mean, the, 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 the sermon of all sermons, the way he, he closes out his final thought is with the same thought that has been overarching throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount. You see, one of the reasons why so many people love the Sermon on the Mount is because it's so highly application-based Right? Like it's so highly applicable. There's, there's no, you know, the, you know. Sometimes you read through certain parts of scripture. You know, maybe you open up to one of Paul's letters, and he's going on and on about these like theological discourse, and you're like. What the frick is he talking about? Like, what, I, don't, I don't understand even the words that he's using. Well, Jesus here in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, he is so clear. Listen, if, I, if there were ever a time you would ever wonder, what would Jesus do? This would not be one of those times because Jesus makes it so abundantly clear what he wants us to do. He is looking for obedience, He is calling us to action. Listen to what he says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then he compares it to the, to the foolish man in verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, church, I'm no builder I've never built a house before. I don't even know the first step to building a house. Okay, I'm not much of a handyman at all. And uh, but, but I have had my sh- fair share of putting together some furniture items for my home. Okay, that's about the, the the handiest I've ever gotten putting together some IKEA furniture. Right, like and so when my when my wife and I first got married, we went off to, to IKEA. Right, like the newlywed you know uh, mecca of, of furniture shopping. Right, and so because uh, we're we're broke, newlyweds, right? I'm in ministry, I'm in seminary, we can't afford so we, we go to IKEA. Forget Wolf's furniture. i don't, you know, we go to IKEA and buy a, a whole van full of stuff, and we go home, and it was just kind of understood that I was gonna be the one to put it together, right? Like, and so yeah, you know, newlywed man, I got this, baby. You sit back, I got this, I got this, right? And, and I gotta say, after a bookshelf here and a coffee table there, I thought. This say so, bad. I, I think I know what I'm doing. I mean, you might as well hand me the handyman of the year award right now. It's just like, I, I felt like I got this. Ain't no thing. Like, I got this. In fact, I was so confident that I felt like I don't even need, I don't need the instructions on this next furniture item, so you know where I'm going with this. I got this. Well, I started the building process with a whole lot of confidence, tearing the box open, bop. Like, bah, I got it, you know, tearing the plastic, dumping out all, like, I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about myself. But as I went along, I began to realize I have not the slightest clue as to what I'm doing here. I mean, I'm looking at what I'm building here, and I'm looking at my work, and it doesn't look anything like the pictures. Why IKEA doesn't include words is beside me. I I I don't know why. It's just and so if you miss an arrow, you're screwed. I mean, if if you miss a a picture here, you're done. Well, there I was looking at my work, and it doesn't look anything like the picture. Some of the pieces look like they're upside down or even backwards. The pieces that should should be fitting neatly together in a spot are they're all crooked and jammed together. And then I have to go through the dreaded process of undoing all of my work and starting from the beginning using the instructions. You see, I thought my way was better. I thought my way was better. The problem is the folks at Ikea believe that their way is better. And why wouldn't they? It's their product. You see, a lot of Christians live their lives with the same exact mentality that my way is better, God. I I got this. In fact, isn't that what happened at the Garden of Eden? God created the world. The world was his product and provided instructions for how to handle his product. And he called for what? Obedience. He called for obedience. But Adam and Eve were convinced that their way was better. Well, our way is better, and and, and we got this. Well, how did that all turn out? Right? Right? See, we've got to understand that the way of obedience leads to fullness of life because the one who calls us to obedience is the source of life. Listen, God will never call you to obedience that would lead to your death. It's not how God works. But God will always call you to obedience that will lead to your life. And how do I know that? Because of what Jesus says later in today's text. We'll get to that in just a moment. But before we do, let me offer up the second point on the kingdom way. The kingdom way is not just best characterized by our obedience, but it is a lifelong journey of obedience. Friends, you got to understand, this Sermon on the Mount is not something that we check off our list one day and say, complete. We, we, don't, we don't, that's not what this sermon is intended to do. This is not a to-do item. The Sermon on the Mount is not a to-do item. We get to mark off one day and say, ding, done. And this is a lifelong journey. Now, if you were to look back at the topography of the ancient Palestinian world, we're talking about building, right? The grounds that they walked on was mostly sandy dirt, and if you wanted to build something, build a building with some structural integrity, you wouldn't just start building on the ground you walked on, right? Civil engineers, shout out, you know, like, right? Like, you don't build on just sand. You don't build on that ground. In fact, most of the time you would have to spend a, quite, a, quite some energy, quite some resources, and, and some time digging until you hit some firm foundation to build upon. And that's where Jesus is drawing the comparison between a a builder who put in the time and work to dig for the foundation as opposed to the hasty, impatient builder who just started building their house right on the sand. In fact, there's a parallel passage of today's text found in Luke chapter 6. You don't have to turn there. We're just going to flash it up here on the screen for you. The gospel writer Luke puts it this way. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Like, there's a disconnect there. Again, Jesus is calling for obedience. And he goes on and he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. And then he goes into this word picture of these two builders. He is like a man building a house who, listen now, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Why was it well built? Because the builder dug deep. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Now, most of us who were reading that, we would say, who in the right minds would do such a thing? What idiot would build their house without building a foundation, without firming up a foundation? Why would you build a house without a foundation? Why would you waste all that time building an Ikea furniture your way only to find out you've been doing it wrong the whole time and then you have to redo all that hard work in it? Why wouldn't you just start by digging just a little bit deeper and looking for that solid foundation? Now, look, it's real easy to say things like that when we're on this side of the passage, isn't it? When we're on this side of the passage, we look at that and you're like, oh, that foolish builder. <laughs> what a dummy. Like, why would, why would he not dig deeper and look for some solid footing, some solid foundation? You see, I think most of us build our houses on the sand simply because it's quicker and easier. It's just quicker and easier. You see, when you're digging into the sand, looking for that foundation, you don't know how long you've got to dig for until you hit rock bottom. You you don't know. There's no indication of rock bottomness until you just keep digging. You might find yourself digging for quite a while, and sometimes our spiritual journeys can feel a little bit like that, can't it? We feel like we're digging for God we're searching for god we're in the word we're spending time in prayer we're plugged into christian community but we're just we're just not finding the rock we're not finding that spiritual breakthrough we're looking for but listen friends what if god is not leading you to a breakthrough but rather he's preparing you for a storm what if the work that god is doing in your life is not actually to lead you to a breakthrough what if breakthrough is the furthest thing on God's mind? What if what God is actually doing in those moments is, is he is preparing you for a storm? Now listen, preparation doesn't always look like breakthrough. It, it, I mean, let's face it, breakthroughs are sexy, right? Like everyone wants a breakthrough. I want a breakthrough. Everyone wants a breakthrough. Breakthrough in your finances. Breakthrough in your academic career. Breakthrough in your relationship. Breakthrough in your spiritual walks with God. Everyone wants a breakthrough. Breakthrough. Who wants preparation? Right? Like, I, I, don't, want, I don't want no prep. That's, that's not desirable. Digging through sand, there's nothing sexy about that. Like, I want the breakthrough, not the preparation. And yet Jesus' point here is so much of the faith journey is just that. It's the unattractive, unsexy, sand-digging work of pursuing Jesus and saying yes to him every step along the way. As the late Eugene Peterson put it, following Jesus is like this long obedience in the same direction. It's saying yes to Jesus in the same direction over and over and over again. It's digging into the sand because you believe in faith that there is a rock to be found. See, the kingdom way is a lifelong journey of obedience to Jesus. Now, I said earlier that saying yes to Jesus will always lead to life and not to death. And I know that to be true because, number three, the kingdom way can withstand any storms of life. Some of you seniors are going to be graduating here in just a few short weeks. And you're going to be going out into a whole other realm outside of Penn State culture, Penn State life. And I promise you, you're going to face storms. You know, like I remember when I graduated college, I was the big man on campus. First of all, you just just like the, the, so. So I thought I had it all together, right? I thought I and like some of you are laughing. I'm not kidding. I was like the ish man. I was like the, the bomb dot com, right? Okay, I'm only slightly kidding. Um, so I go out and I'm thrusted into this real world scenario. And and friends, let me tell you, just just like seriously, there were storms that I faced in my life that I didn't even know existed. There were hardships that I encountered that were hardships that I never had to go through. You see, and I say this not to diminish the hardships that we're all going through right now during our four years here at Penn State. I'm not. I'm in no way trying to minimize your hardships and the storms of your life currently. But I'm telling you right now, the storms only compound as you move forward in life, particularly as you try to follow Jesus. This world is not friendly to those who are trying to follow after Jesus. There are storms that will come. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is here to tell you, the kingdom way is the key to withstanding any storms of life, whether here during college or whether post-college after entering into another realm. You can withstand any storms of light. Listen to what what Jesus says. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And then Jesus describes the same scenario of the foolish builder in verse 27, and he says, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. By the way, let me just take a quick detour here. When Jesus is talking about this wise and foolish builder, can I just clarify something real quickly? This isn't Jesus' way of categorizing these two builders based on their skill level. He's not commending one's builder's ability over another. He's not looking at the foolish builder and shaking his head in mild disappointment. Nor is he patting the wise builder on the back and saying, good job with your house. Well done on your building project, buddy. When Jesus speaks of these wise and foolish builders, you need to understand he is speaking of life and death. It is not this sort of like, oh, you know, he he just built his house better than this other fool. No, he's talking about life and death. It would almost be like Jesus is saying a living builder and a live builder built his house on the rock. And a dying builder, a dead builder built his house on the sand. Because you've got to understand, their lives are symbolically represented by the house that they build. Their house is their life. And by the end of the story, one is standing upright and one is in ruins. One is alive and the other is dead. You want to know the only common denominator in both of these builders' cases. I mean, you see the differences, right? Wise builder, foolish builder, right? Solid foundation, shaky foundation. House didn't fall. House fell with a great crash, The only common factor in both of these builders' cases is the inevitability of storms. Storms come. In both cases, the rain fell. In both cases, the floods came. In both cases, the winds blew and beat against the house. And you want to know something, church? That's the common denominator in your life and in my life and in all of our lives the inevitability of storms. Storms will come. We all face storms of various kinds. The question isn't whether or not the rain will come, if the floods will rise, if the winds will beat against our house. The question is, will my house withstand the storms when they come? And according to Jesus, the only way to ensure that is to do what Jesus says, not just to hear what he says, not just to agree with what he says, not just to reiterate what he says. We're not to get to this point of the year and say, well, guys, we did it. We sat through a 21-part series on Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and for some of us, we've got copious amounts of notes to prove it, right? Like, and for some of us, we might even say, I felt strongly convicted at times. Now, friends, that's all good, Taking notes is highly encouraged here at ACF. We encourage you to take notes. And we encourage the conviction of God's Holy Spirit's work in our lives. That's all good. But the real question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And Jesus tells his listeners, the only way your house will stand against the storms of life is if you build your house on the rock. That is, if you do what I tell you to do. That's how you know you can withstand any storms of life. I love how the gospel writer Matthew closes out this section of scripture. He writes, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished. They were in awe. They were in wonder at his teaching. And it wasn't because of how good his sermon was. It wasn't because of his preaching style or the illustrations he used or, or, or the kinds of metaphors he incorporated into his message. It was because of the authority that was behind his preaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. You see, the scribes spoke about God. They taught the people about God's activity in history. But when Jesus opened his mouth, he was speaking as God. He wasn't just teaching the people about God's activity in history. He was unfolding God's plan for them in real time. I mean, can you imagine being on that hillside, on that mountainside, listening to the words of Jesus as he's unfolding God's divine plan for his chosen people in real time? He was ushering in a new reality, a new way of living and being in the world. And his message to you and to me is I want my followers to be distinguishable by the choices that they make. I want them to choose the kingdom way over any other way every single time. So people of God, would you make that choice today? As kingdom people, would you choose the kingdom?